Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, where we are worshiping Jesus Christ. We are living out God's love, and we're transforming community by the Holy Spirit. Today is May 7th, 2023. There's an Orange County Marathon, so it was very difficult probably for you to get here, and I'm very proud of each of you. Hopefully there'll be a couple other people that trickle in. They're like, whoa, there's a lot of runners. Um, I got a couple announcements. One of them is next week. Uh, what's next week's happening? Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day and it's Memorial Day weekend. That's exciting. Well, yeah. Um, I have some. What? Oh, I was way off. Samsonite. I was way off. Justin, glad you can make it. Looks like you're limping. Yeah. Yeah, Mother's Day is next weekend. I have for some reason on my preaching calendar that Mother's Day and Memorial Day weekend are the same because Pentecost and Memorial Day of the week. There's some reasoning behind my brain. Relax, everybody. <laughs> Mary Hambly. Did anybody know Mary Hambly? She was one of the founding members. She passed. She, her baptism is now complete. Uh, we found out because the grandson was going through stuff, or was it the son? I'm not sure. It was either the son or the grandson, and they found Carol Applegate's number and all these notes from our deacon, because she was part of her flock, and the grandson or son was just really grateful for us being in Mary's corner. Um, so... If we get any more information, I'll give it to you via email or phone call or something. Uh, and I already said Mother's Day. Got that. Today is a communion. We're going to be breaking bread for anybody listening up on the podcast. There's a nice gentle mummer. I like it. A little community. And my sermon's a little bit about that, which is excellent. Not the murmuring, but the community. Uh, right after this service, we're having a spaghetti luncheon hosted by the student ministries. They look fired up. <laughs> Devin's about to do a cartwheel, I think. Uh, we're, we're, and we're raising funds to send some students to camp. And anybody who's been to camp knows how important camp is, so make sure you get involved and uh, eat some spaghetti. And I think there's Alfredo, there's Bolognese, there's stuff I can't pronounce, there's Parmesan bread. Isn't there bread? Okay, okay. For all you gluten gluten people. Let's, let's stand up and greet one another. What do you think of that? that? Let's do that. Alright, you guys can stand if you're... I have, a, I have a call to worship ready, but I don't think we're going to do it. Would you please stand, everybody, and face this direction and keep your jolly spirit, but kind of simmer down the talking? Since this is the Easter season, it's still appropriate for me to say Christ is risen and you to respond with, Yes, indeed. Christ is risen. Yes, indeed. Christ is risen. Yes, indeed. Christ is risen. Yes, Let's sing to our risen Christ, the solid rock on which we stand.
Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are stilled when striving cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of Christ I stand Christ alone who took on flesh fullness of God in helpless faith the gift of love Lifting 
sorrows, bearing our burdens, healing our hearts. To our God, we lift up one voice. To our God, lift up one song. To our God, we lift up one voice, singing hallelujah. To our God, we lift up one voice. To our God, lift up one song. To our God, we lift up one voice.
just sing this with me, the chorus? To our God we lift up one voice. To our God we lift up one song. To our God we lift up one voice. Sing it out. Singing hallelujah. To our God we lift up one voice. To our God we lift up one song. To our God we lift up one voice. Sing it hallelujah. Hey guys, uh, I'm Simon. I'm doing the children's message today. In, in youth group, we've been learning about how, um, how, you know, all the fruits of the Spirit, what God is like, what Jesus is like, and that we should be imitators of Jesus. One of the things Jesus is is faithful and uh, and patient, and uh, Jesus talks about himself as being the cornerstone. And I never understood that as a child. I thought like that's kind of an unimportant part of a building. It seemed it's just like off in the corner, but really it means like the foundational piece of stone. Um, like it's the first thing that's placed down and. Um, and I just didn't understand understand that as a kid. So, um, yeah, Jesus is is the cornerstone of of his church. Uh, he's the first the first piece, the the first thing that had to come to make the church possible. And he is faithful, and he is patient with all of us, me included. <laughs> we come to this place together to worship and praise God. And in the light of our worship, we remember and see our transgressions and our faults. Together, let us confess our sins against God and neighbor. Our Lord, our God, you call us to proclaim the gospel, but we remain silent in the presence of evil. You call us to be reconciled to you and one another but we are content to live in separation. You call us to seek the good of all, but we fail to resist the powers of oppression. You call us to fight pretensions and injustice, but we sit idly by, endangering the lives of people far and near. Forgive us, O Lord. Reconcile us to you by the power of your Spirit and give us the courage and strength to be reconciled to others through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Our Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our inequities. For as high as the heavens are from the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. In Jesus Christ, our reigning and risen Savior, we are forgiven.
Good morning. to me
Thank you very much, Tim and Brian. That's, I don't know, that might be the reason I woke up this morning, right? Uh, as I was listening to that, thinking of what I'm about to say about, um, what about a pre- a preach on, and looking at the table, that's it. That's absolutely it. He came to set the captives free. Um, I'm weary. And this is appropriate because we are coming to the table as a community. And he's going to give us rest. And he's going to remind us of our identity. The text this morning, we're in the Easter season. We're following the lectionary texts. And if you haven't been around, um, I, had a, I read a book in 2017 called The Day the Revolution Began. And in that book, a guy named N.T. Wright, who wrote that book, asked a question that me as a follower of Jesus never had asked before. In 2018, I'm 48 now, do the math. That's a long time of being in the church to not think about a huge portion and it's a, it's a game changer of a question. The question is, if our salvation is the primary goal of the cross from our sin, an atonement for sin and ransomed and all that, why didn't Jesus rise again on the day of atonement? What, why did he... Why did the Easter event occur on Passover? And if you've been here since I've showed up, the first time I preached about this on podcast to a bunch of stuffed animals, uh, but every Easter since, I've been mentioning this because I think it's a huge portion of the gospel that we, the capital C Church, have been missing Rightfully so, you know, because all those things that the reformers fought for and made the forefront needed to be made the forefront. Uh, We needed to know that our sins were paid for. Our sins were covered. The blood of Jesus, God's one and only begotten son, makes us forgiven, makes us white as snow. But that dwarfed this little this little line that was just in that song we just heard he set the captives free he did it on well god in his sovereign wisdom the passion event the life death resurrection of our lord savior jesus christ happens on passover to scream to each and every one of us as a group and that's made apparent in this text, that we are set free from slavery of sin and death. We are a second exodus people. And no longer is it just the Hebrew nation. It's anybody who claims Jesus as Lord becomes a part of this second exodus nation. The second Exodus people. 
this Easter people. Is everybody following? You guys seem like you're glazing over. I'll try and speed up a little bit. Okay. Um, And once again, I'm the pastor, so I can kind of veer wherever. I want to pause and say, as a people, thank you, Jesus, for the Women's Day yesterday. Were any of you here? This is just a tangent. You know, I missed it in the announcements, and I want to pause and say, praise God. Everybody, one, two, three. We're like that person healed that comes back to Jesus and says, thank you, right? Anyway, back on this text. Sex and Exodus people, Easter people, were learning from Peter, this old fisherman at this point, when he writes these letters, or these epistles, the first and second Peter, um, noticed Jesus had two best friends, John and Peter. So this is coming from Jesus' best friend on this planet. And he's talking about us as second Exodus people and how we live it out. What does it mean? What does it look like? And we learned that first week, we're just supposed to bask in it. Second week, we learned it's all about Jesus. And he kind of hovers around that. Notice, so do I, right? <laughs> Isn't that what this place is about? Okay, excellent. We're in, second, we're in First Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1 and end in verse 10. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, come to him, a living stone, Though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight, and living and like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture See, I am laying in Zion a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you, then, who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now You are God's people. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit. 
as you move and teach this morning through me, I pray that my words would be forgotten. Your words would penetrate the hardest of hearts, even mine. I also, I ask that you might prepare and equip us as your holy people to commune with you this morning. To commune with you and take in more of you and let go of less of us. And all God's people said, okay, he says, he starts with get rid of. Other translations say put aside. Um, And I was looking at the Greek, it probably is best put aside because these things creep in. What does he say to put aside? Look at that text. Malice. Put aside malice. I remember I was in Jersey. Uh, Zeke was right about to be born. And um, we were in the supermarket and I was probably one of two people in the whole state of New Jersey to be wearing rainbows in a, in a supermarket. Do you know what rainbows are? Sandals. They come from San Clemente. You know everybody's got rainbows? I was, in rain, I was in rainbows out in Jersey. Muggy. 90% humidity. Hot as, I don't know, hot. Hot as somebody that, that's really hot. Uh, yeah, yeah, steam room. It's got the mugginess coming up from Florida or whatever. Jersey's Jersey. We're in, this, we're in this supermarket, and there's sharp edges everywhere. I cut open my foot, and I start bleeding in the supermarket. My wife, I'm, I'm standing for and some reason I'm holding a watermelon. <laughs> and I'm standing like this in the supermarket. And I'm starting to get dizzy, because I get dizzy when I see my own blood. And so... She's like, she's watching me do a one-legged stand in the supermarket, bleeding from my foot for some reason. And she said, put the watermelon down. I put the watermelon down. She said, put this water bottle in your hand and drink it. Sit down. Not rocket science, right? We have stuff in our hands, people. We come in here, and, we, and it's on a regular basis. What do we have in our hands? We have malice. We have guile. We have insincerity. Actually, the word is hypocrite right there. Actor. We put faces on. We put masks on. We pretend like we got it all together. Especially on Sundays, right? We got envy. We talk badly about one another behind our backs, you know? He's talking to us this morning. He's talking to me and you. He says, take, put that stuff down. You know, it's like Malia in the supermarket. Put the watermelon down. Put the stuff down. 
And then what does he say to pick up? What does he say to the second Exodus people? What are we supposed to have in our hands? What are we supposed to be up to? What are we supposed to be doing? He says like newborn infants. When's the last time you saw a newborn infant? Think about that. Think about that newborn infant craving milk. I, you know, I, I, I can picture it like it was yesterday. My two little ones, you know? They want milk. They want to be fed. Like that, second Exodus people, long for pure spiritual milk. What's spiritual milk? It's not hypothetical this time. What's spiritual milk? I think primarily it's this. This is, uh, this is one of those sermons where I'm just going to remind you, do you have a Bible in your house? Do you have a Bible app on your phone? Open it. Crave it. And then look at what he says. Because that's going to grow you into salvation. What he's thinking of is not an end time salvation. I think it's a daily salvation. You start feeding off the word of God. And I think being together is spiritual milk. When we talk about holy things and we're not doing the slandering and the malicing and stuff like that. So we crave that and we grow into the salvation. We're saved from the daily pitfalls. Right? Amen? And then he's... he's you, you ever been around? Yeah, we, everybody in here is kind of those older, wiser people, right? <laughs> Raise your hand if you're old and wise. There's a lot of people that, with their hands down. Either you don't think you're old. I got some bad news for you. Uh, <laughs> but then I have some good news for you, too. You are. You're wise. I, 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 I'm, I get to be the privileged and honored to be amongst some of the wisest folks I've ever met. They keep the main thing the main thing. And Peter is like that. Peter's this old fisherman. Listen to what he, and he quotes Psalm. I haven't even looked at my notes. Hopefully I'm preaching on the same text. Okay. Yeah, it is. Not only is like craving the spiritual food good for us, but it tastes good. It tastes good, right? When you're flowing in this, this zone of spirit flowing through you, you get the resurrection all in your life, you're living this out as the people of God, it tastes good. And he quotes, he quotes Psalm 34, verse 8. And he tasted that the Lord is good. But listen to it in Greek. It's okay. The Lord is good even in that song that that phone is playing. 
Christos ha curios. What does that sound like? That, that means the Lord is good. Christos ha curios. What does it sound like? Anybody know Greek? Listen to this. Christos. Not Christos. Christos ha curios is the Lord is good. Christos ha curios is Christ is Lord. He's quoting the Psalms, and he seems to be almost a pun guy, <laughs> right? But it's a holy pun that gets goosebumps on you. Come and see that not only is craving spiritual food good for you, it tastes good. Come and see that The Lord is good, and in saying so, he's almost simultaneously saying, Christ is Lord. Those two beautiful poetic things woven together, that made my day when I was studying for this this scripture. I can tell you, I was sitting in my living room, I was thinking about all those times that I questioned whether Christ was Lord. I question whether he was even there. And then in concert with realizing that not only is he Lord, but he's good to the infinite degree. When Jesus comes through, he comes through big. Amen? And then Peter builds us and he says, build yourselves into a spiritual house. It says in my text, let yourselves be built. But a guy named Scott McKnight looked at it in the Greek and made a really strong argument. I think it is, I agree with Scott McKnight, it should better be translated, build yourselves into a spiritual house. That's what we're supposed to be doing as second Exodus people. Building ourselves into a spiritual house. How do you build yourself into a spiritual house? One, it's the same thing I say over and over. What makes a Corvette person a Corvette person? They talk about Corvettes all the time, right? Last time I said that, I ended up just landing on the Steve, and he is a Corvette person. <laughs> and I was like, if you're a Corvette person, you're a Corvette person. And you talk about Corvettes all the time. And he was like... Oh my gosh, guy's reading my mail. <laughs> Just happenstance. I'm a Lakers person. I talk about Lakers all the time. I, you know, if you're a music person, I'm a music person also. I talk about music all the time. We're spiritual people, first and foremost. There's a really good, like, YouTube or a Twitter tweet from that guy from the office, Dwight. He plays Dwight on Dwight Schrute. Does anybody know that actor's name? His name's Rain, I think. Rain Wilson. Look it up. He talks about, it's interesting, because he's just, he's going on about how we're not physical beings. We're actually spiritual beings in these casings, you know, these physical. Anyway, just a side project homework. Build yourselves into a spiritual house. Talk about it. 
And then Scott McKnight teases it out and says, that is, instead of being a simple group of social outcasts, we, he says they, they must find their identity and cohesion in their spiritual relationship to the living stone. What does that mean for us? We continually bring it back to the living stone. We continually back, we bring it back to Christ. We talk about him. He's a part of our everyday conversations with each other. Peter's writing this to a community, and we're receiving it as a community. Right? Okay. And then he says stone a billion times. There's a lot of stone mentioned in this text. And it's mainly living stone. And this is ecclesiology. This is exactly what Simon just said. God laid down his one and only son first as the cornerstone, the foundation, the starting place. And it's the living stone, the living He's, remember, Peter's a Jewish man who's converted to Christianity, he's following Jesus, you know, all that stuff. So the living has this Hebrew understanding of life eternal, life that's worth living, like a good life. He's the living. That also means he's not dead, right? But he's the stone. Who's the stone in, in the Old Testament? Yahweh. Right? He's our stone. He's our rock. He's our stone of refuge. He's our, fount- He's our place where we go to hide. Jesus is the original living stone, and God lays him down in the crucifixion resurrection event. And then what does Peter say? This living stone is the building of what? The temple, right? This is, this is blowing, N.T. Wright, I was reading his commentary, he says, this may seem complicated, because it is. (laughs) You know, some things are just complicated. This is complicated, but it's, Peter's quoting all these Old Testament scriptures, and he's pointing out that Jesus is, is the beginning of the church, the ecclesia, the community, which is not a building, it's the people. But this people is some is metaphorically a building that is made with all living stones all over the world. And right now, pause for a second and think of what that means. What's the furthest you've been? Bolivia, there are living stones connected to us right there, right now, in Bolivia. Where? Where else? What? Egypt, Israel, Japan, Sweden. This would be good. This would be a good text to study Pentecost on. Amen. 
Because Peter's talking about this new thing that started, and he's getting to some really exciting stuff, but he starts with this new sanctuary filled with living stones. Myself, I've been to Russia. I've been to Romania. I've been to his motherland. I can't tell you what town it was. I got to seriously get together sometime and figure that out and look at a map. But all, and you know where I found the deepest Christianity I've ever found in all of my Christianity, in my Christian walk. During World War II, there was amazing missionaries that ended up going to Burma and planting a church in Burma has different province, provinces. And in Burma, in Burma, there's followers of Jesus that make me feel like a sissy Christian. They've been beaten down. They've been broken. They've bent but not broken. That kind of thing. They're just, and I think of them right in this text. We're a part of this massive unseen sanctuary, and we're all living stones because of what? That first living stone, Jesus the Christ, being laid. Then he kind of digresses and mentions once again, it seems like. And this is probably mostly because of context. Was it easy or difficult to be a Christian when Peter is writing this? Difficult. Super difficult. Right? We haven't seen nothing compared to what they were going through. So he doesn't take that many steps without saying, oh, and by the way, if you're having a hard day, you're in the right spot. And that, that kind of translates to us too, right? Have you been having a hard day? We're in the right spot. Our Lord and Savior, he, he was crucified. He showed us the way to freedom and set us free from our slavery. Not by winning, in the classical sense of the word, but by laying down his life and dying. And then he ends. He ends with this. He ends with this and the gospel coming together. He ends with just heaping on truths of us as second Exodus people. Right? This is why it happened on Passover. This is why we are celebrating the Lord's Supper that used to be the Passover meal. The Egyptians, what were they? They were slaves, or the Jewish people, they were slaves. They were slaves to Egypt. They were slaves and they were scattered. And then in Exodus 19, what does it say? It says there was the the Exodus event. And those people that were slaves in Egypt through the Exodus event were declared a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that weren't a people that are now a people, right? Right? 
Is everybody following that? And we're doing it this Sunday. That's crazy, right? That's kind of the Lord's timing. I want to make sure I say some of the stuff I wrote down. Because otherwise, why did I write it down? We're a chosen race. We're a holy nation. Once you were not, now we are. And this is where... This is where the question I keep asking you is actually supposed to be asked. How many people are in here? And now we know why. What made us a people? That. This table. Our Lord, Jesus, laying down his life like the Passover lamb but not just for the people of Israel and not just for the angel of death, but the people of Jesus and for death and sin to set us free. Applications. Last Sunday, two Sundays ago, we were driving home And Elsie said, that was my best Sunday ever. I was like, what? You didn't even sit in and listen to my sermon. (laughs) How could that possibly be? You're grounded. No, I didn't say it. Malia actually asked, why? And she said, we kind of ditched the Bible study and we just talked about our favorite metaphors and beautiful parts of the Bible. I think we often overlook those applications like that. I think Peter is showing us a little in how he's saying it, how to do it. Christos, halagos, Christos, halagas. The Lord is good. Christ is Lord. I think our first application is get poetic. And if you're not poetic, celebrate the poetry. Celebrate the beauty of the word. Get lost in the goodness of how good it tastes. It not only saves us, but it's like eating at five crowns, right? When we're, we're living, and then he says, and second application is build ourselves up. Yeah, well, first I was supposed to say, get rid of that stuff because you can't have stuff in your hand. You can't take on stuff with stuff in your hands. You need to put that other stuff away. And what if this, actually, we start living it out like, what if this is a place that no one slanders one another? Just start with that. I would love that. I would absolutely love to be in this room and know that I'm safe and no one's going to talk badly about me. I would love if we weren't trying to cut each other off, but we were celebrating one another. If, I would love if we, we came in here and we built up the spiritual house. And not to say that God hasn't been already working here. 
And God hasn't already done a lot of this. Pat, right there, brother, you've done a lot of living stonework, right? This is an outpost of God's kingdom. Truth. Feeding into that, Peter is saying, to live as second Exodus people, we become more about spiritual than we become about physical. We become, this is, we play by the different rules that are laid out in the kingdom. And then, I think the other one is, we are one people. You're probably tired of me saying this application. But I think it's in here for a reason. Come to this table this morning and realize the truth. You've been living, well, some of us, some of us have been living like we're misfits, we're outliers. Peter's saying, not here, you're not. Welcome home, you're here. This is the table that does it. This is the second Exodus beginning. And we've come together this morning to remind ourselves we've been forgiven and we've been set free. We're no longer slaves. We in this room are a part of this divine conspiracy. We leave this place and we're connected. We're one people and we go throughout our days knowing that this isn't our home. This is our home that's going to go on for on forever. Um, amen to the sermon. Amen. Robert, would you help me out? Edson, my, my wingman, is not here. Would you mind bringing me that offering plate? That's on that back. Yep, just walk it up on here. And this is the point of the service where we continue in worship and we continue to prepare our hearts to commune together. But we also, we give thanks. We give thanks to how good God has been to us. How good the Lord tastes. Are you see locked down? Okay, good. He's going to bring it up. I'm going to pray over it because we're not going to pass the offering plates. And those of you at home, you can send your tithes, offerings, and gifts to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And those of you that are here, feels kind of wrong. This plate's empty. <laughs> I'm going to put money in it. Hold on a second. And then I'm going to pray over it. That's a symbol of you guys paying something. All right, let's pray. God, you are so good to us. Amen, everybody? You give and you give and you give. Even when we're asleep, you're giving. Even when we don't realize it, you're giving. We praise you for being a generous and generous, generous God. Thank you for giving your son Thank you for giving us the way out. We offer back to you 
a meager portion of what you've given to us, not as a sense of obligation, but an offering of gratitude. An offering of, I want to be a part of your revolution of service, love, and humility. And all God's people said, Amen.
That was one of my favorite moments. Go now. Thank you very much. It was just pause, and then he pointed at me. Bam. One more and more. I want to bring us back to when Brian and Tim were, were playing that song. And soak in those lyrics. This table's for the, the weary. This table's for the people in here that need to be set free. Or reminded that they have been set free. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit. As we break bread together, raise us up and remind us of who we are. Remind us of that day where in the future, possibly the near future, we will be sitting around a table together as one people, living stones scattered from all times, all places, all declaring you as Lord, and you'll be at the head of that table. May today remind us of that day. May that day bring us into the the truth that that day is coming and equip us to live as second Exodus people, as Easter people, building a spiritual house, putting down, putting aside, getting rid of the malice, the slander, but living as living stones. I pray this in your powerful son, Jesus the Christ's name, and all God's people said. A couple thousand years ago, Jesus gathered 12 of his closest friends around a table to celebrate the Passover meal that celebrated the first Exodus event. And he said to his 12, I'm making a new covenant. I've been sent on the behalf of my Father to make a new way for all people to become a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation. A group of, that spans all generations that declare me as Lord, I'm going to make them into one people. And this bread used to symbolize getting out of Egypt so fast we couldn't wait for the bread to rise. Now this bread represents my body. Broken for you and I. You can open your little containers. I'm going to partake of this real bread. And since it is us taking this together, look to your left and look to your right and just say, this is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. Take, eat all of it. In the same way, he took the cup and giving thanks He said, 
This is the blood of the new covenant shed in my blood, sealed in my blood for you, for the forgiveness of sin. Every time you drink from this cup, do so in remembrance of me. Every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, the life, the death, the resurrection. And so we say to you today, take this cup, all of you, and drink from it, and know that you are forgiven. Amen. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks that by the witness of your word and the sharing of this meal, you have opened our hearts and eyes to the presence of Christ among us. Now send us forth from this place by the power of your spirit to tell the good news to the world. The Lord has risen indeed. Amen. This is, I've noticed there's a couple people, this is your first time here, that you'll, you'll, we do something a little different. Uh, I'm going to do the benediction right now, and then we're going to do the, uh, we're going to sing the Lord's Prayer, and at the end of it, we all hold hands and sing the last part together standing, raising our hands to God. So I just don't want them, the first timers to be freaked out by that. Uh, because the first time I did it, I was like, whoa. It was, it's, it's an excellent metaphor, and it's, it screams what I've been preaching about, and it screams this table. Um, how many people are in here? And know this. You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen people. And you are a holy nation. Go forth not only knowing this truth, but living this truth. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.